One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sorry if you were recording that and you wanted me to say something funny, but I I don't have anything to say on that. I'm recording now, but that wasn't very funny. So no, it wasn't. So I'm, I'm here not to gonna... not give you material. That's my purpose on this podcast. It's to f- ruin it. I'm also going to take a note of every time you swear, just to make it easier to... Anyway, let's get on with this. This is a Manhattan-bound B-Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Hello, I'm John Elledge, and this is Skylines, the Cinemetric Podcast. This is what passes for a Christmas special round here. We're in the midst of austerity. Everything's a bit depressing and miserable, so we're not really bothering. We, instead of talking about something festive, we are going to talk about something shit. We're going to talk about shit towns for two reasons. One of which is, of course, it's Christmas. Everyone is going home, and a lot of people grow up in shit towns, so it seemed, it seemed uh, seasonally appropriate. And the other thing is uh, Formula One driver Lewis Hamilton has just managed to offend his entire hometown of Stevenage by describing it as the slums. I've not been to Stevenage. I don't think it's like the favelas of Rio, to be honest. It's more of a sort of boring suburban new town, but there we are. So anyway, to discuss this this cheerful and festive and definitely absolutely Christmassy topic, I have with me uh, two of my colleagues, one of which is our, our resident American, Sarah Manavis. Hello, Sarah. How are you doing? Hi, everyone. Glad to be back. You, you, you grew up in a pretty, I mean, you, you're, you're generally very nice about your, your hometown, of course. <laughs> yeah, and not. I've been especially nice about it on this podcast. Yeah, I am originally, to be fair, I think the town I'm from is actually fine, but I am from Dayton, Ohio, which is infamously a very okay, I think place. it's I think it's actually ruder to, to like, slag off your neighbours while being nice about your own home. <laughs> like, I but am we- from Dayton. I am, I am a Daytonian. I'm from the dirty DYT, as I used to say when I was 15. Um, but I am, I guess, technically more specifically from Oakwood, Ohio, which is actually technically a city, even though it has 9,000 people and is two square miles. Well, before we get too far into the <laughs> gazetteer of the Midwest, I should introduce our other guest, uh, my colleague, Rowan Banerjee. Hello, Rowan. Hello. Thanks very much for having me on. And where are you from? Uh, I'm from Ramsgate, which, uh, like uh, like Lewis Hamilton's hometown of Stevenage, has got a hyperbolized reputation of being a lot worse than it is. It has a it has it's a, bit, a it's a bit UKIPy, isn't it? Uh, it's very UKIPy. Uh, Nigel Farage ran to be our MP twice. Uh, got very close the second time round. Um, it was overwhelmingly in favour of leaving the European Union, of course. Uh, and I suppose like the people who are more inclined to remain more left-leaning um you know get quite weary from uh, living there they've they've coined the term rams ghetto but again anywhere anywhere that has a yacht club uh can't really be called a ghetto in my book 
Okay, I mean, who are the people who like use the yacht club? Are they? Well, that's what's, the, what's the overlap between the yacht club well, that's people the and it's, the UKIP people? It's uh, Ramsgate is a is a land of contrast. Um, you know, for for the you know for the Royal Temple Yacht Club, which overlooks the very picturesque harbour, there is also the country's, nay, the world's biggest weather spoons, a few hundred yards wow. away. So. Uh, you know, I mean, by proxy, I don't think there are any weatherspoons outside of the UK, in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not... Old, old Tim Martin's not wild about the world outside the UK, yeah. either, so probably. Um, yeah, the global ambitions of weatherspoons are probably a bit understated. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm being slightly dismissive in dismissing, well, literally dismissing large chunks of the planet as, as shit towns. But I can't help but notice that um, there are three of us in this room. None of us live in the places we grew up. What's what's that all about? Why did we all leave? Sarah, you have strong opinions on things. Yes, and I have very strong opinion about that. I never wanted to live in Dayton, Ohio. My town, actually, Oakwood, Ohio, home to um, Brock Turner, the infamous Stanford uh, or sex offender. I'm sure you'll be able to put that in uh, very nicely, marking down the swear. John is, for all the listeners, which just make it cut, John is now writing down every time I swear or apparently slander someone. Um, I think so, I'm not even going to bother on the swearing. It's just going to. It's, it's Christmas. It's, it's just not really going to be an explicit episode. We're just going to. We're going to lose our universal rating. Um, it's going to be an adult-only cities podcast <laughs> because um, you can't stop f-ing swearing. But uh, my hometown is, to be fair, uh, it's it's very pretty, but it also has the name the, or the nickname the Dome because once you're under the Dome, you never get out. Um, I got out, obviously. Um, but even though my dad is a Greek immigrant, he still lives there. Um, and his parents still live there after moving there from Greece. Almost everyone in the town, their parents live there, their parents live there. We've got in our school a wall of everyone's face who's ever gone to the school in um, these big photographs. And people can find their grandparents on that wall and things like that. And so, yeah, I did not want to participate in that tradition, that rich tradition. Okay, but like if people tend to move there and then stay there... That does sight unseen suggest that there's actually something kind of quite nice about the place. It's very nice in the sense that there are trees and there's a Starbucks, which is very exciting. Um, and we have like quite a nice supermarket, uh, Dorothy Lane Market. Uh, yeah, but other than that, nothing really happens. And I think it's just your classic American suburbia, like cookie cutter town. And then also with this very dark sort of underbelly that's also happening. So it's that kind of beautiful combination dramatic combination very real housewives or not real housewives desperate housewives so why were you so desperate to get out um as i mentioned i am actually half a greek person um and so i got exposed to like a very weird part of the world and a very weird group of people and i'm allowed to say that everyone because i'm greek um and it is weird um and (laughs) marking that down for the edits uh, yeah, and I had exposure to an outside world that uh, I think a lot of people in Dayton, Ohio did not have, where like the exotic cuisine was getting a Chinese takeaway. And when I went to go have Indian food, I was mocked for my sort of worldly tastes and fancy lady meals, having my curries and my kormas and things like that. Um yeah, so that was just not me, uh, and I didn't really want to do that. Um, and because I had the Greek citizenship as well, it meant that I had a very easy out to a different location. Okay, so here's my thing. The, the Lewis Hamilton comment is not for the first time. It was a stupid thing to say. He has a bit of a history of saying slightly stupid things. But he's got, you know, billions of pounds, so I'm not sure he's that bothered about it. But I 
kind of think that that comment was misrepresented by the good people of Stevenage. I don't think he was literally saying, I believe this place to be a slum. He was just kind of like using it as a way of saying, you know, I dreamt of getting out of this slightly stultifying place I grew up in. And that's true of like most people, right? Isn't it? I, I think so. I mean, so Ramsgate, uh, oddly, is, um, well, or rather, Ramsgate, along with Margate and Broadstairs, are the three main towns on the Isle of Thanet, which is not actually an island, <laughs> but people from Thanet, in their typical Phoenician way, you know, insist on calling so it Phoenician. That's a very glamorous. Yeah, that, that's a fantastic. It is, that, that is a Thanet native, is a Phoenician. Um, <laughs> so basically, so it used to be an island many thousands of years ago, and then geography happened, and it's no longer an island, but the name sort of stuck. And that's oddly fitting because the area, um, much like small town America, also has like a little bit of an island mentality, or more than a little bit of an island mentality. Very suspicious of outsiders, lots of generations of families going to the same schools, going to the same pubs as their parents. Um, you know, lo- very you know fiercely protective of their local histories and local cultures, and then you know just a little bit wary of what's on the outside of those borders. Um, you know, that's probably reflected uh, in no small way in how Thanet voted to leave the European Union, for example. Um, But in terms of, like, why people insist on staying in that place, despite there being not an awful lot to do, I suppose, like, there's a security about it. Um, You know, much like Sarah, uh, because I'm I'm mixed race, I'm I'm, I'm three-quarters Indian and therefore have foreign relatives and relatives in different countries and therefore for me it was never really uh it was never really a novelty to uh you know to go and explore and go to different places whereas a lot of people in Thanet have never actually you know they've not really ventured outside of Kent let alone outside of the UK so for me I I kind of just got bored of being in that in that island community and and wanted to move on but like growing up were you conscious of like you know I've got to get out of this place at some point like were you kind of like looking to the along the railway line to the big city I'll I'll be honest like uh the camps the Thanet's people fall into kind of two camps and those camps are largely divided by uh the 11 plus so because Kent is one of the few places Mm. that still has grammar schools um what those grammar schools do is they create quite a quite an obvious tier in uh, in that part of the world. So basically, if you pass the eleven plus and go to the grammar school, then you're given a lot of opportunities to go off to university, to go and get certain jobs, to go and work in the city, to go away. And if you don't pass the eleven plus and you go to one of the other schools, which are not as well run and not as well funded and don't have donors or famous alumni giving them Mm. libraries and things like that, um, then you have more chance and you're more likely to stay in Thanet. And in a weird way, despite that being so obviously an unfair system, people in Thanet like it. They actually quite like the they like the division. They like the unity of being from Thanet, but they like the division within you know it, like any island where there's a where there's a community like that. They kind of enjoy the infighting. It's, it's bizarre, but like that is the case. It has always been the case. I yeah, think the- that is a thing though in like small places. Is it's like that self sustaining like intertown drama that almost gives you like a, a driving purpose. It's Shelbyville versus Springfield. It's it, <laughs> you know it's that kind of that is that is quite an accurate comparison. You know Ramsgate, Margate, Broadstairs have got that Thanet Phoenician commonality, but then at the same time they have the grammar school non grammar school divide. And you know even though there's quite a, a quite an obvious middle class there and quite an obvious working class there, you know they, they quite like to you know have these divisions between them. Um, but at the same time, they are united by the, the fact that they're both on the same island, which isn't actually an island. <laughs> 
you're kind of obsessed with the not actually an island. Like, <laughs> is, is it like the most interesting thing you can think of to say about Thanet or something? Like well, the most interesting things to say about Thanet aren't aren't much more interesting. I suppose we've got we've covered we've covered the first one, which is the Farage no, uh, ran to be RMP. You've done the Weatherspoons. Uh, we've done the we- the biggest Weatherspoons in the world. Uh, I've done that. Um, there was an episode of Only Fools and Horses filmed in Margate. The Jolly oh Boys. Yeah, yeah, I love the Jolly Boys out. Yeah. So that was there. Um, that's the one where the coach blows up, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. right. So that was that was us. Yeah, um, <laughs> tra- tra- Tracy Emin. Um, it was shortlisted for the Turner Prize for her unmade bed. Oh yeah, you've got the Turner Gallery, haven't you? Yeah, no one goes. No one goes. No, I have been. I've actually been to Margate. No one to from Thanet goes. There we go. That's the weird thing about that. It went. I went to Margate to go to this gallery and just have a look around Margate. And, like, this is before the Dreamland reopened, which is the... Um, the amusement. The amusement park. park, yeah. But but having been to the gallery, there wasn't really a lot else to do in Margate. And there's kind of a lot of sort of Guardian types who've moved out there who are trying to make Margate happen. Yeah. And I don't think it's happening. Margate, uh, Margate transitioning to being, like, the Shoreditch of Kent, that's a recent thing. Wow. Um, I, <laughs> I, I honestly think... What a set of words that yeah, was. Yeah, I honestly think being the Shoreditch of Kent is probably an overstatement that has been kind of peddled through the Guardian uh, by those people. In reality, I think Margate is still very much Margate. Um but yeah, in terms of like young people who grow up there, do they are they told or do they have the impression that they need to leave? Um, well, there are more jobs outside of Thanet than in Thanet, so that people are always very aware of that. But then I think whether or not you're how far you're encouraged to go away will ultimately come come down to what kind of school you went to. But it's not so much about sensing that you need to leave. Uh, it's more that like I I always wanted to get away from where I grew up, but I think it's got... Can I just say, as well, you are not really living in a different place from when you grew up. From where you grew up. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> but so, I mean, but it's, it's like, worth so... pointing that out, that you're like, ah, oh, all of us have fled our homes, and you're like, ah, oh, my home that is like 20 minutes in an Uber away from here. It's more than 20 minutes. Okay, it it's like 45 minutes, minutes yeah, in okay, an Uber. But, like, but no, it's still... I, the... Romford is technically in Greater London... But it is culturally very different. It's kind of mm. like leaving Staten Island for Manhattan. You know, Staten Island voted for Trump. I would still, though, if I was like, where's this person from? I'd be like, oh, they're from New York. But no, it's a, yeah, but it's a, so it sort of depends how far you go to anyone from the southeast of England. If they ask me where I'm from, I would probably not say London. Or at least, you know, I didn't grow up in London because they will laugh. Romford's not bloody London, this is Essex. Whereas, like, you get beyond that and that division gets erased. Like, obviously, in the global terms, it's stupid to say I didn't grow up in London because I grew up with someone with an underground station. That's, you know... (laughs) But nonetheless... This is your weird London-centric brain telling you these things. Everywhere else would classify that as London. But, like, okay, so this this sort of annoyed me when I... There's a book called The Buddha of Suburbia by Hanif Qureshi. I have not read it. It's... I mean, he's such a smug man. He's, (laughs) He's, like... Honestly, he has a level of smugness that would put the average New Statesman contributor to shame. <laughs> Honestly, it's dreadful. But anyway, it, it's he grew up in like suburban Kent, not like the, the end of Kent you're from Rowan, but like, you know, Bromley. And in the Buddha of Suburbia, he kind of talks about Bromley as the provinces. And uh, when he moves to Kensington, he talks about it as the city. And I think calling Bromley the provinces is stupid. Because again, it's like, you know, 20 minutes from town and a cab. But nonetheless, there is that kind of sort of psychological divide where it's 
you know, there's a lot less ethnic diversity. People don't mm. necessarily think they're living in the city, even mm. if they're kind of deluding themselves, even if this place only exists because, you know, a bunch of people bought houses there because it was commutable to jobs in the city. Psychologically, they, people often think of it in a slightly different way. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So it's, yeah, it's, I didn't, I didn't like literally, you know, switch continents like you did. Well, yeah, I'm not trying to, to say, get away from the, the people that I'm you're, not you're trying about to say that podcasts, everybody, but, like, I'm not trying to say that every single person should have to like, flee their tiny town and move to yeah across an ocean i'm not gonna be an asshole about it but i would say that you're 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 splitting there are degrees of these there. things i kind My of friends. get yeah i kind of get to have the best of both worlds because i can like you know live in the city and still be at my mum's in half an hour if i really want to i would say that you have the worst of both worlds because both of them are in london so Way. i uh, i take your i take your smug literature reference <laughs> and raise it um and raise it a, a a very obscure and kind of like uh you know clever teenager quote uh in the there's a, a, a and if i get this wrong if this turns out to be a quote from the wrong philosopher then i'm gonna look really stupid but um and the listeners will yeah, yeah. <laughs> but isn't it a Saint Augustine? Rowan is on Twitter. Yeah, a Saint Augustine of Hippo quote is uh, the man who says his mother's cooking uh, is the best he's ever had is the man who hasn't travelled. Right, that basically sums up the problem. Oh God, I wouldn't say that. Sorry, uh, Mum. But yeah. <laughs> well, that kind of sums up the problem with a lot of the people that I am still in touch with when I go back home. Where it actually happened last year, not long after the big weather spoons opened, uh, I was home for a weekend and I went for a drink with a friend who, um, whereas most of my friends did go off to university and then go and work in London, Manchester, wherever. Um, a few of them did stay and I, I met up with one of them in this giant Weatherspoons and we were talking about um, we were talking about Antoine Griezmann the uh, the footballer who for a costume party blacked up and uh, he 
you know, I, I was saying this was a really bad thing. It was very insensitive. Um, it was, you know, uh, going against the grain of like the, the progress that we'd made uh, in other aspects of football and racism. And uh, my my friend Anthony, he um, I won't say his last name though. <laughs> uh, he he couldn't understand why I was so angry about this. He couldn't understand what I thought was the problem. He said like, oh, it's just political correctness gone mad. Why is it offensive and so on. And again, like not to not to say that that's the only reason why he thought like that, but again, it's, it was just amazing that of my friends who thought it was a problem, they tended to be the ones who had left Thanet, and the ones who had stayed didn't see the issue with mm. this. And part of that is because because Thanet has such poor racial diversity, you don't really meet a lot of different people, you don't really get a lot of insight into different experiences. For him, while he wouldn't consider himself to be racist by any stretch, he is still is ignorant of those experiences and those struggles because he doesn't see them. He doesn't. He hasn't gone and met lots of... You know, in my year group, there were two black kids in the whole year group, in 140. Um, that was exactly the same you know, with us so, as well. So again, while it might not be the kind of like in-your-face, uh, you know, in-your-face, top-of-the-range apartheid-level racism, it's still, you know, lack of exposure racism in that, you know, institutionally they've got no experience of it. Mm. So that, that... And that's... I find it really frustrating when I go home because unfortunately I'll have those conversations about what is right or wrong, and people in Thanet who have not left Thanet won't necessarily see them as a problem. Oh, it's just, you know, oh, somebody's going OTT, somebody's complaining too much, you know. You can't say anything these days. So here's a question. Like, going back to the beginning of the conversation, Lewis Hamilton clearly thought, like, a big part of not a big part of his success, but, you know, a sign of his success was that he had got the hell out of Stevenage. Mm. Um, and, you know, obviously the leader of the council is a bit miffed by this because he's like the most famous person ever to come out of Stevenage and now he's just slamming the place. <laughs> just so, dunking yeah, on Yeah, you'd obviously be a bit a bit unhappy about that. But nonetheless, like he, it, the two ideas of like, you know, leaving his hometown and being, being successful are kind of connected in his mind. So what, what I'm wondering is what would it take to make you guys move back to where you came from? I would is never move back. Nothing would ever make me move back. And I really mean, unless if I somehow got into like a hundred thousand pounds into debt and we Brexit happened and they really shat it even more than we already know they're going to shit it up. And they were like, all of the EU people, mark it down, um, all the EU people got kicked out. And I had no money and my mom died who lives in Chicago and I had nowhere else to go even. And all of my friends died. They're all dead. And I, Jamie and I aren't together anymore. He, maybe he's dead. My dog's dead. And I have this to. This has got dark for a Christmas I special. Have You're like to killing everyone you know. Go and say to my wonderful family friends, to be fair, that are still in Dayton um, or my dad, I need somewhere to live. And in that case, I would go back and live in Oakwood. Dayton and and in no other scenario would I do this so just to be clear this is this is not just about not wanting to move back to like Trump's America this is also <laughs> specifically about yes your home no because I would I mean I I don't want to move back to the US and not to get into like me boringly talking about where I might live in the world one day um but like Chicago which is where my mom lives at the moment um is a really great city and I really love DC and there are some other places that are also good um that are cities that I would live in, even like more rural places, maybe for a short period of time, but I would not go back to Dayton. I, w I went back a year and a half ago. I was there for three days and I hadn't been back for two years. And that was punny. Ran, what uh, would it take to get you back to Fanet? 
I mean, I don't think I need to massacre family or friends <laughs> to go back. Uh, I, I mean, I, get, I go back fairly regularly um, as it is. L- less so since my, so my, my late grandmother passed away in 2017 and uh, I was very close to her. And when she was alive, I would go home very regularly because I wanted to maintain that relationship. Also, it's not very far. You know, we're on HS1, um, you know, door to door, you're looking at about two hours you know in total so it wasn't really that it wasn't really that expensive and it didn't take that long to go back despite that um i would only ever go for short bursts because <laughs> because the thing is as much as i like to go back regularly i like to go just go and do two or three days and then come back any longer than that and how small than it is kind of started to uh, kind of weigh down on you and you realize that it is it, you know you get cabin fever because you can't go you know there are only a finite amount of uh, I mean, there's a finite amount of pubs in London, but there are so many more. Um, but there, there's such a limited number of pubs and places to go in Thanet that, you know, it won't, it wouldn't take that many to see someone you know. And, like, you know, you can't really escape from anything. And, you know, can, uh, I mean, going to Canterbury, which is the nearest city, you know, Canterbury is tiny. So it's, you, you kind yeah, of... kind of pushing it with the definition of city. Exactly, exa- exactly. Um, in terms of what would make me go back, I mean... You know, my family are still down there and I suppose being close to them is, you know, very important. But at the same time, because I'm already close to them, I don't Mm. see the need to go and go and live back there. You know, uh, the house prices are slightly cheaper, but like... Slightly. I mean, it's like significantly cheaper. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Significantly cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, significantly cheaper. But I I don't know. I don't see what Fanet could give me that London can't at the moment. But I mean, when I went to university, because I went, I went as far away from Thanet as possible. Um, undergrad York, postgrad Durham, like literally went to the other side of the, you know, the other end of the country. Um, and that was partly because again, I had some family members who were up there and I wasn't really nervous about going up north, but also because I just wanted to have that luxury of contrast. Whereas so many people in Thanet, they just, you know, they'll go to go to the same schools, the same pubs and all that as their parents, and they'd be quite content to stay there. For me, I got itchy feet. By the time I got to about 13, 14, I knew that I wanted to, I knew that I wanted to go far away and just have something completely different. There is a sort of class thing to all this, isn't there? And it's not, it, it's not, it's not either the traditional breakdown of the English class system, but it's not just a wealth thing either. But there is, it's a sort of a split between like metropolitan liberals mm. and, and, you know, more provincial. It's, it's the kind of, it's the Trump split, it's the Brexit split. I think that is it. Like, because my town is really weird in the sense that like half of the town is like, like working class, upper working class, which is where I would have plugged myself into growing up. And then like extreme wealth, like indoor swimming pools wealth, tennis courts, like staff on hand, like nannies, that like the whole shebang of like CEO parents. Um, and yet it isn't, yeah, it has nothing to do with like what your like household income is whether or not you stay in my town it really is more about yeah like how much exposure you have to the rest yeah. of the world i think it's definitely uh it's definitely attitude over income yeah uh, definitely because for example there are there are um there are some very wealthy people who are self-made in thanet who have grown up in thanet and gone to school there and never left and all that like um a guy called phil thorley who runs thorley taverns which uh until weatherspoon's came there Thorley Taverns were like the big dogs in terms of uh, hospitality entertainment you know pubs and clubs in Thanet they have 16 venues across the aisle 
and <laughs> and that ba- cheeky eye yeah again. the cheeky eye uh, but 16 venues and yeah he he and his brothers uh, Phil Thorley Frank Thorley and all that they're all local and they're you know they've got a, almost a, a, a local celebrity as well mm. people recognise them because of the smallness of the area and so on and yeah they're very well I mean you know they're very comfortable, very successful, and you know they've never left. And I suppose they don't. You know they they might have a if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of. Yeah, approach. I find guys like this quite. So I I met a guy in Warrington whose name I can't remember, but he runs this whole series of magazines promoting Warrington. <laughs> and then his email to me, he's like on the sort of local um, chamber of commerce and so on. And his email to me when I asked if he fancied meeting up for a coffee, he said, "Oh, that'd be great." Uh, as it happens, people often call me Mister Warrington. <laughs> And like this, did I you meet him that, in Warrington? Yeah, it was, there's there's an article online you can dig it out, um, in which I don't quote him actually, so don't bother. It's not. But <laughs> Warrington was quite nice. Um, but but I find that kind of sweet that that kind of like I really don't have that level of pride in my home. But it's kind of good for the world that there are people who do and like genuinely do want to stick around these places and like actually sort of build them rather than just thinking I'm going to get a hell out of here as soon as I can. I do also think though it does feed into this kind of like weird unhealthy attitude a lot of the time like so for example as i jokingly referred to at the beginning of this podcast um my town is where brock turner the stanford swimmer sex offender um grew up and i went to school with him i saw him loads it's a very small town um and we had a family friend of mine actually had a a piece in the washington post about our town and kind of this weird split where you have the half the town is like you know we're horrified and thought we need to be like thinking about how we teach our kids if this stuff, this entitlement can happen. Um, And half the town kind of just brushed under the carpet. But the outrage at that article using our town as sort of like a metaphor for suburbia where we tell kids never hear no for an answer. The backlash was terrible because they were like, how dare you slander our perfect town? And there's so much town pride that like it's very tribalistic. Mm. And if you go against it and I, and I do, I do see what you're saying. I think it is really nice and you do need people that are like championing these places. Um, But equally, I do think as well that it is a slippery slope, isn't it? Where you do get into this like overbearing defense that is kind of like senseless and foundationless. I think, um, I think like it's amazing that people can be so united by one common thing in general, like whether and where they're from is such a big part. But, you know, when I got to university and I meet people from all over the country and, you know, people from Newcastle and Liverpool and Manchester, which are these, and London, of course, you know, vibrant cities that have got rich histories and have produced so many great things. And then I look at Thanet and talk about being the setting for an episode of Only Fools and Horses or like, you know, an an artist giving her unmade bed as her, as her, you know, as, as her entry in the, uh, to the Turner Prize. You know, in a weird way, in a weird way, though, like it, it's almost, um, it is quite charming that despite those achievements being objectively less of an achievement than, say, you know, producing the Beatles or having two massive football clubs in Manchester or something like that. Um, you know, those kind of things, you know, that Liverpool and Manchester have that we just can't even fathom. Despite that, it's quite nice. Um, it, it's quite nice that people in Thanet do feel that pride. Yeah, it, It's weird. It's weird. But like, <laughs> it's, uh, it's still a nice okay. thing. You know, I, I don't, I don't hate my hometown. I'm just very aware of its limitations. Mm. I think that's the key, isn't yeah. it? I don't hate mine either. Um, I just think, yeah, I just, I wouldn't want to live there again. It's very nice to visit, but I 
couldn't take it okay. anymore. Well, talking of producing the Beatles, I should say that one of the Who grew up in Stevenage, but I can't for the life remember what <laughs> so that's something. Um, should be wrapping up. But Are we not going to do a, a Christmas element? We're not going to do a Christmas element. We no. should do a Christmas element. Where I, is the best place you've ever had Christmas? I've not really had Christmas. My, my, my dad's side of the family have a long history of doing Christmases at holiday camps, which I've done a few times, which is awful, which I would not recommend, and which does totally go against my sort of metropolitan liberal self-image <laughs> uh, and turns me into such a complete <laughs> snob. Um, but we're not going to... I'm just going to... I was going to do a sort of Christmas message. Well, I was going to than- say, I have spent Christmas... So I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, and my mom has actually, from my second year of university... She has traveled a lot for her job because her kids f***ed off and she was like, oh, I could live in other places. So I've had Christmas in multiple cities in Europe and in the US. And I will say one thing is that even when you're in like a really interesting city like Amsterdam or London or something like that, um, there is something that you miss about being at home in your tiny town and something very cozy and homey about that. So that's, well, that's my a, that's, that's my a, nice Christmas that's message. A that's a lovely thing. I miss my Sarah town at Christmas. Christmas message. There you like go. the Queen. I just wanted to say, in many ways, it's been an absolutely bloody shocking year, both in <laughs> politics and also, frankly, in my personal life, uh, for all sorts of reasons. But one of the things I've really enjoyed is, is you know, this podcast and you lot is, you know, it's quite nice that whenever I speak to someone who listens to the podcast, you're always weirdly nice to me, given the amount of nonsense we talk. And I kind of like that. So I just want to say thank you and have a lovely Christmas. And to all a good night. Look at you being Nice, your little nerdy podcast listeners. Oh, f- off, Sarah. You've been listening to Skylines, the podcast from City Metric, the New Statesman City site. It was presented and produced by me, John Ellidge. If you enjoyed the episode, then please do consider leaving us an iTunes review. It really helps other people to discover the show. And, you know, the more people get listening to the show, the sooner I can achieve my real goal of world domination for the medium of trains. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.